Greetings and salutations, valued listeners, and welcome to episode 27 of the Cult Spark Podcast, a show where we talk about movies, TV, and other entertainments of the cult and geek varieties. Tonight, we will be focusing on the TV side of that equation as we talk about the comic book-based shows that have seemingly overtaken television on the networks, on Netflix, pretty much everywhere you look, it's nothing but superheroes and zombies being ported over from comics to TV. My name is Bob Taylor. I write at cultspark.com, as does my regular podcaster in crime, Stu Smith, who is here again tonight. Stu, how goes it? Bob was lying to you in the intro. He doesn't value you, listeners. Only I do. I, you know what? That's just that's not fair, Stu. I'm. Full, it is fair. I, there, it's I, absolutely I, fair. I have nothing but overwhelming value toward our listeners. Nothing. You use that. them, Bob. I you do. use them. Admit Shh. it. Shh! Don't pull back the curtain. Too late. <laughs> we are joined tonight by a special guest, Mr. Daniel Baldwin, who's casting with us for the very first time. Dan not only writes for our site, but you may have also seen his work at Bloody Disgusting, at Forbes, or at any number of other websites around the net that Dan's writes for. Dan, welcome to the show, good sir. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So let's start this topic off with a general thesis I've concocted, which is this. There are too many fucking comic book shows on TV. There are too many in general, and there are too many bad ones. But before we start separating them into these categories, let's just list off all of these things in order to properly portray the magnitude of the comic book invasion on TV. And I'm not even going to count all the animated shows that are geared for kids, except for one, which we're going to get into at the very end of this podcast. But here's the list of live action adaptations largely geared toward adults that are currently on TV. We've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe shows, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., on ABC, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage on Netflix, uh, Agent Carter has ended, Iron Fist and the Punisher are on the way, As Are Cloak and Dagger and Runaways on various other channels. There's also a non-MCU X-Men show titled Legion on the way. We've got the DC shows, Gotham on Fox, as well as the entire CW Berlantiverse, which is Flash, Arrow, Legion of Tomorrow, uh, Supergirl now. Uh, Amazon has ordered a full season of The Tick. The PlayStation Network had powers, although I think it's been canceled. Uh, even if you leave the capes behind to focus on non-superhero comic adaptations, we've got The Walking Dead, we've got Fear the Walking Dead, we've got iZombie, we've got Lucifer. Uh, uh, Dan, tell me which ones I forgot. What have I missed? Preacher. Preacher. There's a... <laughs> Count, counting what's on the air that hasn't been canceled already and what's starting... Um, next year, there's going to be about 28 shows across the board. Do we know any obvious ones I just missed besides Preacher? Well, you had The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, Preacher. Um, mm -hmm. There's one on sci-fi called Winona Earp. There's Dark Matter. There's Outcast. The Tick starts next year. Uh, Riverdale starts on oh, the CW and, next year. And these are all based on comics. Yep, and iZombie. Yeah, I had iZombie. So... First question, we'll start with you, Stu. Why are there this many? Uh, because it's popular. I mean, that's it's it's like with Westerns, back when Westerns were everywhere. You know, <clears throat> Westerns aren't... It's, it's almost like comic book shows aren't really a genre. Uh, they, they're almost a medium, kind of like animation. You can do anything with them, as we've seen. I mean, we've got zombie shows. We've got, you know, Preacher, which is its own thing. You've got capes. You've got... Uh, detective shows, you've got, you know, I mean, all kinds of stuff. It, it's it's popular right now because it's malleable. You can tell all kinds of different stories. People clearly are enjoying these. Uh, otherwise, we, we wouldn't be having this avalanche of stuff that's coming out. You know, it's just, it's a thing. And it will, you know, it'll ebb and flow, and it'll probably eventually go away, just kind of the same way that Westerns ran their course. And, you know, I mean, you'll still have them, just like you still have Westerns pop up here and there. Uh, but, it, you know, it's just, it, TV has always been this way. TV has always uh, found a, a trend or a niche and, uh, you know, dug into it and expanded and found an audience, and everybody tr kind of tries their hand at it for a while. I'm pretty much with Stu. Uh, it basically is its own genre at this point. Well, of course, you've got the modern ones, and like he said, the capes. You've got horror shows based on horror comics. 
and we're, there's only more coming along the way, and most of them seem to be getting second, third, and fourth seasons at this point. Very few of them are getting canceled now, which is kind of surprising. Right, like G- Gotham, which we can get into. I haven't I haven't seen a single minute of Gotham, and I no one can convince me it's not the worst show on TV. It's just it's such a terrible idea, <laughs> and I honestly never expected it to last more than a season. But it's in what season is that in, Dan? Third. Three, third. Yeah. How has Gotham lasted three seasons? See, I think Gotham is actually a really interesting idea, but no, the way don't. that it's no, 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 no. Hey, no, hang on. <laughs> It's an interesting idea. The execution from everything that I've seen and read about it is the absolute wrong way to go about it. No one wants to see a Batman TV show where Batman is like 12 years old and all the villains are like 20 years older. If they, if if, terrible, if they made this into like, you know, a Gotham central type show, but still made it, you know, somewhat prequely, that would have been really interesting. That would have been compelling. But instead, it's just kind of like, hey, you know, it's like it's almost like the TV equivalent of the Friedberg Seltzer, you know, epic movie, scary movie whole thing where it's just kind of this parade of, hey, remember this thing? Only in this case, it's like, hey, remember this person, but they're not there yet, but they kind of are. Yeah, but I hate that shit. It's like the member right. bear. Well, no, member, not, if everybody's not, watching South Park, it's it's a total member berry. I, I'm not member. <laughs> member I'm, I'm not. Th- I'm not saying that it's good. I, again, I, I'm you know, like I said, the the execution of it of the idea is flawed. Member Commissioner um, Gordon. You know, setting a setting a TV show in Gotham that isn't necessarily directly focused on Batman, that's not a bad idea. Shut up, Stu. It's a terrible idea. Dan, you've actually... You're Dan, a terrible idea. <laughs> Dan, you've actually seen some of Gotham, correct? About a season and a half of it. And I'm really it, behind. Am I justified in bad-mouthing the show on, on the cast without having seen it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's not good, but it's actually entertaining now. I would say 90% of the first season was just a bad procedural. And then they ditched that. Ditched that. Now it's basically Dick Tracy with Batman characters. And by the way, uh, Julian Sands played Scarecrow's dad. If you're wondering. Oh, I love Julian Sands. <laughs> Warlock. That's my shit. That Julian Sands, correct? Yes. All right. Well, it helps. Show now. It's got uh, a good no, cast, I, I, but tr- the writing is me. awful. I like Julian Sands, but it's not enough to get me to watch. <laughs> I, I mean. I mean, it comes down to money, really. I feel like I feel like that we have all these shows for two reasons. One, because of the huge success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the movies on the big screen, and also mm-hmm. because of the huge success of The Walking Dead on TV. I feel like because those two things, and because Hollywood is, if it's anything, it's a you know Me Too or a copycat business. I just feel like those two things have resulted well, in. I mean, that's the that's the entertainment industry forever. Sure. Do we need this many superhero shows? Do we need this many, Dan? Probably not, but we're we're stuck with them. And, of course, most of these are like 22, 23 episode seasons. So if it gets to season three, it's going to get a season four, if only so they can sell it for syndication rights later on, which is probably why Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has lasted as long as it has. See, because it's, its ratings, quality, whatever its quality, its ratings have slipped a lot each year. And I'll be surprised if ABC keeps it around after this season because it'll hit that syndication sweet spot this year. Right. I see. We, we can get into that later. I'm actually a, one of Agents of Shield's bigger defenders, although even I admit that it's had serious problems a couple different times in its run. But I don't mind Agents of Shield. We're gonna get a little later. We're gonna get into what ones we would recommend and what ones we personally watch. Here's one of my problem with superhero shows specifically on TV. It's because they can never be done on the scale that you do them in the movies. You're not going to have the money that Marvel can throw at an Avengers movie or that Warner Brothers can throw at a Batman versus Superman or Justice League movie. So don't you think it's almost just a fool's errand to always be trying to compete with the movies on a TV budget? Uh, but see, I don't think they are trying to compete. And I think that I think that stuff like daredevil uh you know let's just kind of take that i think i think that tv actually suits daredevil way better than a movie format you know daredevil is a character that is you know very much centered around his interpersonal relationships and you know the drama that unfolds 
uh, kind of around, you know, him balancing his life and crime fighting and his, you know, just kind of the hardships that he endures and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that is the kind of thing that benefits from, you know, from a serialized format, from a format that just, you know, that, that really lets you delve into the character and you can't really, you can't really get into what Matt makes Matt Murdock interesting in two hours. So, you know, I, plus he's, you know, his, his adventures or, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, his villains, all that kind of stuff. They don't really, you know, they don't need a huge budget. He's very much a street level superhero. So I, you know, having, having a nitty gritty, uh, down and dirty Netflix series. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. You know, his Netflix series could be a few episodes shorter, but, uh, you know, I, I think that he has worked much better, uh, on a TV show than in a movie. Now there's, you know, you'll have stuff like Supergirl. Yeah. Supergirl could probably benefit from a bigger FX budget, just given the nature of the character and the stuff that she does. But no, I, I think there's plenty of room to, uh, to do both. I don't, I don't see why you, you know, everything has to have this major effects budget and, you know, be super glossy and stuff like that. Sometimes it, sometimes it benefits from a smaller scale. I, I think Spider-Man would probably do better uh, in a TV show than a movie. Yeah, but you couldn't really pull off the fights. I mean, those aerial fights between, you know, Spider-Man, Doc Ock, or even Vulture, you can't really do that on a TV budget. I I don't know. I mean, it's starting to get where you could. And Marvel is the kind of company, especially now that they're starting to get out from under the umbrella of, like, Perlmutter, you know, him being a penny pincher and whatnot. You know, Marvel, Marvel has the capital and the money to be able to throw uh, a somewhat larger budget at a yeah, TV show. Like their that. TV division's not getting out from under him yet. So yet. Well, yet. We can, we can only hope. Um, I, <laughs> I'll agree that there are certain street-level heroes whose powers aren't as fantastic that maybe work better on TV. It's not... Uh, you know, if you have a street-level hero where it's more about the relationships with the supporting characters and you don't have to spend a ton of money realizing their powers visually... Like Daredevil, that could te- could potentially you know, be or your your TV. precious stupid Moon Knight. Uh, we, we have to go there already. <laughs> we do. Why we do, are you Bob, laughing? I'm going. Don't laugh when Stu. He's laughing Moon because He's... he should laugh. That's why. I can't wait till we get the Moon Knight Netflix show, and everybody who busts my balls over this starts messaging me. You were right. This is the best of the Marvel shows. We should have listened to you all along, Bob. No one should ever listen to you. Uh, also, Stu, I think you were insinuating a couple minutes ago that Ben Affleck couldn't properly portray what makes Daredevil tick within the confines of two hours. Is that what you were saying? I just want to clarify. It wasn't. It wasn't Ben Affleck's fault. Uh, I mean, granted, some of the failures of that movie lay on the fault of the <laughs> that movie's the guy. terrible. Right. I'm just harassing. Uh, hang you. on, <laughs> I'm getting to that. You know, yes, the. <laughs> so a lot of that movie's fault lay on the on the at the feet of the guy who wrote and directed that piece of crap you know and you could sure you could make a good daredevil movie it's not like you can't make a good daredevil movie uh i just think the character functions better uh, in this format i i think it's it's more conducive to you know to deliver what people really you know what people what fans want out of the character though and really and to backpedal a little bit back into your question of you know are there too many of these i've never really been bothered whenever there's kind of a glut of stuff because i just i don't watch it you don't have to watch all of this stuff. You know, I, like I've, I've never understood. Like, it's like, well, I mean, you know, we are still getting great shows like Better Call Saul and uh, Game of Thrones and all this other stuff. You know, it's not like there's this. It's not like we only have this stuff to choose from. I mean, networks are putting out other great shows right now. So I yeah, mean, but but is it wrong I that know. I that is it wrong that I get mad that some people will choose that stuff? I mean, Better Call Saul is not a high rated show. The Americans Look, The Americans people, is not a high rated show. And when people are people choosing are when people choose. are choosing to watch Gotham or whatever just sort of dumb superhero show they're watching because they're listen 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 people are sort of almost conditioned to just turn their brain off and watch the superhero stuff and i just want to throttle them and say no go watch the americans go watch fargo is that wrong people have been choosing to watch (laughs) ncis more people watch ncis than probably at least half of these shows combined so i mean the mass market is always going to choose something that is crap and you're saying it it's comes, futile it, it, to be angry about it. Yeah, it really is. It's like, you know, it's like if Gotham didn't exist, they'd find some other 
not good show, some other mediocre thing to watch instead of whatever you think is you know, is worth watching. I mean, that's just how it goes. Like the new MacGyver show. Yeah, exactly. Which they are all watching. Uh, Ten I, million people a week. You know what? Tangent it's here, awful. but I was a super, super huge MacGyver fan as a kid and as a young teen. And so I tried to watch like the, the first two. I tried to watch the first episode. I tried to watch the second episode. I never made it through either of them. Garbage. Oh, well, that, that's a total side tangent. We'll do a MacGyver episode later. Uh, Dan, do you agree? <laughs> Dan, do you agree? Do you think there's characters that work either do work better on TV or could work better? Or is it all, or, or the TV version is always going to kind of feel like pale, lower-budget imitators? I think just sticking with the capes side of things, um, it just depends on the character. Like Stu said, Supergirl does show some budgetary limitations from time to time. Uh, so does Legends of Tomorrow. But Arrow and The Flash seem to do pretty well on that front. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does in most cases as well. As long as they don't get too big for their britches with certain characters they adapt or storylines they're going for, most of them will be pretty fine. It's just part of the fun of superheroes is going big, though. That's why I'm always a little resistant to superhero shows. I Wait, what, what, what was the last big storyline in Daredevil that you read, Bob? In Daredevil? Yeah. I haven't read Daredevil like, what was, in a while. What was the last like epic, like epic? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I see what I see what you mean. I see what you mean. See what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, Daredevil doesn't save the city. He saves his little corner, uh, you know, his, his corner. And that's what he does. You know, so you know, I mean, you don't need to do that. I think if I, they did go I, big, that that that, uh, that would, uh, uh, you know, that'd be a mistake. I think you're right. I th- listen. I think this is why the Marvel Netflix shows probably work the best for me, and they're the ones I watch. So, I, I mean, it's a fair point. But, I mean, again, you're talking about one show, or even if you're limited to just, you know, Netflix. I mean, is The Flash on the CW going to be able to compete with The Flash and Justice League? No, probably. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think Well, so. I, guess, I guess it kind of depends on what you want out of the uh, – want, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously the movie version is going to be bigger. It'll have to be. You know, Warner Brothers wants that money up on the screen. Um, but, but that's the thing. I mean, you can have movies, uh, to do their thing. I mean, both formats will take advantage of, you know, of what they do best. Right. Okay. So let's get into it. We're, we're here for an hour at least. So let's dive into all this stuff. Dan, we're going to start with you out of all the comic book shows on TV. Which ones do you make? Which ones do you make sure to tune into every week or binge on or however you watch TV? Which ones are the ones you make sure you catch and why? <laughs> All right. Um, I ended up watching a lot of these just because I was running Villain Smash for a while, even some of the worst ones. Correct. So, so I've, let's, I've... let's clarify that. Villain Smash was an offshoot of Bloody Disgusting that existed for a little while, and you were covering and writing reviews for, like, all of these shows. Pretty right. much almost all of them, yeah, except for some of the more obscure ones. Which is why I wanted to have you on this episode, because you know about all of these shows and how they can run the gamut quality-wise. So which ones are worth it? Worth it? Um, I've always liked Arrow. It's had a couple rough seasons in the past. The new one seems to be off to a good start. I actually just watched the uh, premiere before we started this. Flash has been good all around so far. Uh, just on the D- DC shows. Supergirl um, had a decent first season. Um, looking forward to the new one. Legends of Tomorrow was pretty rocky, but uh, I think they, they had a handle on what they were doing towards the end. Um, of the non-hero DC shows, there's iZombie's pretty good, but there's not much good beyond that. I mean, Lucifer is pretty abominable, and Go- Gotham's more goofy than anything. Okay. Uh, Mar- Marvel-wise, I'm more of a Netflix guy. I-, I liked Agent Carter, and I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I'd never call it a good show. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is just vastly inconsistent. It started out terrible. It kind of found its footing at the end of the first season when Bill Paxton came on, and then they got Cal McLaughlin on into season two. Season two I liked a lot. That carried over into the beginning of season three, but then in the back half of season three, it felt like they completely lost their footing and it kind of went to crap again. Uh, Undecided on this season. I feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. works best, and I realize Joss Whedon doesn't really have much of a hand in it at all anymore and hasn't for a while. It's more his uh, brother and his wife running it 
but I always feel like when it's sort of trying to pull off that that family dynamic that Buffy and Firefly did so well, where you have these unrelated group of individuals that kind of come together and form a makeshift family. When Agent Shield's doing that, it actually works for me. It just gets it gets tripped up a lot trying to connect to the MCU at large and fighting with their budget and every single scene takes place in some shitty looking hallway. <laughs> and it just it's really on and off for me. There are times where they pull it together for, for weeks at a time and I tell people you should be watching Agents of Shield, it gets really good and then almost just as quickly it turns bad again. So I, I've seen every episode. I'm not proud <laughs> but I'm still with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's I bet it's better than Gotham. <laughs> I'm, un, I'm undecided on that. Let me catch up and then oh, I'll tell you. Okay, catch up and tell us. Uh, Stu, I know you watch the Netflix ones. Yeah, this is a little hard for me to answer because I have completely cut the cord. Uh, you know, I don't really even get network television. Uh, so everything that I watch, I'm just, you know, I'm catching up on once it eventually hits Netflix. Uh, so... Uh, you know, so obviously I'm able to watch the the Marvel stuff uh, pretty much as soon as it comes out. Uh, I love Daredevil. I think that's probably the best, the strongest of the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, I was bored to tears with Jessica Jones. I just, I do not understand why so many people fawned all over it. Um, it was, if nothing else, it was six episodes of television uh, stretched out over 13 episodes. I, I agree uh, but, with you entirely, but I feel that way about every single Netflix Marvel show. That's definitely true of most of them, but especially with I, Jessica Jones. I think I, Jessica Jones is probably the biggest offender, and I know why it's like. I mean, I, I, I'll i go ahead and say I liked Jessica Jones. I liked the performances. I liked it was a, it was about us, you know, serious things thematically and had sort right. of a lot under the hood. But yeah, yeah I mean, it is, it, it, it is, has, it has some positives for it sure. It is for sure eight episodes of story stretched to 13 episodes. And I right. felt, I felt the exact same way about Daredevil season one. And I didn't feel that way about Daredevil two. I felt through most of Daredevil season two's run, I thought, oh, I thought, okay, they really figured out how to sustain this with mini arcs and stuff. But then even that kind of falls apart in the last four episodes when they stretch like basically one episode of ninja intrigue across right. the, the final four episodes. And it's like, oh, right. it's suffering from the same thing. It's just at the end instead of at the middle or at the beginning. Right. I'm about five episodes into Luke Cage. And, All right. So how's that? Because uh, I haven't started it yet. You know, there are things that I like about it. It needs to be way more defined, I think. Uh, it's really just kind of it's very much taking its time. But I, I don't feel that it's interminable the way that I felt Jessica Jones was. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with just the general vibe of the show, like the, you know, the music and the tone. Um, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of really well well done stuff about it. So I don't know. Well, jury's still out on it though for me, so we'll see. Started watching season one of Supergirl uh, with my wife. She adores that show. She really really enjoys it. I think it's you know I I I remember the show getting a lot of flack. Uh, when it first, probably at least for a good, you know, ha first half of the season, uh, but I I thought it found I thought it found its feet pretty quickly. I'm I'm enjoying it so far. How far in are you on that one? Um, I'm probably oh god, like ten ten or like ten episodes I think. Okay, yeah, I thought the first five were pretty rough, but then it really found its footing after that. But yeah, I you know I I think it's good. I you know I really like Melissa Benoist. Uh, I think she's, you know, not just great choice for the role. You know, I mean, it's it's got some of its foibles. I hate, I hate that Maxwell Lord of all characters has somehow become this, you know, this evil, you know, maniacal villain. You know, obviously they're they're very much trying to turn him into kind of a Lex Luthor surrogate in this, but just kind of in general, it's like go really goofy Maxwell Lord is a villain now. I just, I hate that in the comics and in shows and stuff that they've, they've turned him into a villain. One, uh, on the Netflix front, I really liked daredevil season one, even though it was really, really rough and it was pretty slow for the first stretch of it. Um, I agree with both of you guys on Jessica Jones. I think the actors are great. There's really great performances and moments throughout it, but it's just, it's stretched way too thin. And, uh, daredevil season two is my favorite season out of the, uh, the four seasons of Netflix Marvel stuff that we've gotten so far. 
As far as Luke Cage goes, I've actually finished it. It does take its time, but unlike Jessica Jones, it balances it a whole lot better because it's almost more of an ensemble show. You spend as much time with the villains as you do with um, Luke Cage himself, and it's it's got a strong black exploitation vibe. Um, of course, it could use a bit of trimming here and there, but it's nowhere near as egregious as Jessica Jones in, on that front. Well, I'm looking forward to watching it because I really liked – what's his name, Mike? Who's the guy that plays Luke? Mike, Mike Coulter. Yeah, I, Mike I, Coulter, I yeah. thought Mike Coulter was really good in the part in Jessica Jones. And, yeah, Dan, you're not the first person who I've heard say it has a exploitation vibe, which excites me. I mean that would be a sort of new riff in the MCU. So I, I'm i looking forward to watching it. But it's just, yeah, the 13 episodes are intimidating, especially I, I feel like I've been burned a little bit three times. Like, uh, you know, Stranger Things, which I really, really liked. And, you know, not comic books, not superheroes, but it is a Netflix show. It's an hour-long, you know, sci-fi drama. Eight episodes in and out. I think it's perfectly paced. And I just think, man, why can't they do this with the, with the Marvel stuff? It would be so much better. And I'm sure it comes down to money and, you know, how many episodes they need to get eyeballs on. But it's just – it. yeah, Stranger Things made me yearn for just a tighter Marvel series on Netflix. But uh, hearing that both of you guys – Doug Luke Cage or are digging it has me enthused to watch. What's what's funny about the eight episodes thing? That's what they're doing with Defenders apparently, oh, which really? is funny I didn't because know that. I'm sure it's a money thing so they can save you know that extra five episodes worth of budget and put it towards effects and stuff. But it might benefit <laughs> because of that. But uh, it might. But I also think when you're pulling all those characters together and probably part of their supporting cast, they probably they probably actually could have filled out 13 episodes with that one. And that's the one that they're going shorter with. I mean, maybe, but I, but I think it's, it'll it's, be good. I mean, it's not just about fitting everything in, though. It's about pacing it correctly. So True. I didn't know that the Defenders was only going to be eight. So that's, I think that's probably a good thing, even though you're right. It's probably about the money. We have a reader question. I'm going to ask you guys. Uh, I think it'll mostly be for Dan, although you can both answer. My Twitter buddy, Dave, blah, 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 who's online at Dave Jad. Who it was, oh, is uh, that how you say his Twitter name? D-A-V-E-J-A-D. Blah, 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 or whatever. Blah, 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 was uh, my, we were both guests on the Stay Cool Geek podcast last week, which is another podcast I guest on sometimes, and Dave and I were on a show together. Uh, but anyway, Dave tweeted me today, knowing we were going to be talking about this, and he asks, do you think Supergirl will fit in with the Berlantiverse? And do you think we will see other – let's take that part first because Supergirl's joining in and is going to be in the same shared universe as these other CW shows, correct? Yes. Okay. How? How? Dan, we'll start with you. Is that going to work smoothly? I think it will. Um, it's already sort of connected anyway through um, alternate universe stuff. I'm assuming that they're going to be pulling Supergirl fully into uh, Earth-1 or whatever what you want to call the Earth that the rest of the heroes inhabit. Later on this season, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it'll fit. It helps that they have the same creative teams intact. Okay, wait, so at the moment, and this is why I'm throwing the question to you, because I actually do not watch the CW superhero shows, and I'll tell you why in a minute, but that's why I'm throwing this question to you. But from the start, Supergirl actually takes place in a separate dimension or reality or you know universe. Alternate, alternate oh, yeah. Earth. Set, set, is this, yeah, set in an alternate universe from Flash and Arrow and all that. That's true? Yes. Okay. Yeah, like toward toward the end of season one of Supergirl, Barry shows up just boom, kind of out of nowhere, uh, and you know then he and Supergirl have an adventure, and it's and he's like, whoa, where is this? You know, and, uh, Supergirl's like, who are you? You've never heard of the Flash? No, who's that? Uh, you know, so yeah, so I mean they very much treat it, you know, they're very much handling the multiverse like that. Okay, so I don't understand that. So if Supergirl is brought into the same universe as Green Arrow and Flash and the rest of these, like, are all her supporting characters coming with her? How's that going to work? Won't it completely uh, change Supergirl? I'd be willing to bet that they're eventually going to do, like, a, you know, a crisis event where stuff gets merged. Oh, isn't that shit bad enough in the comics? Sure it is, but, I mean, you know. Flash is dealing with Flashpoint a little this season, so that could pull towards it as well. And then this December... Um, ever since Flash came along, they've been doing uh, crossover events every December right before the mid-season finales. You know, the past two years, it's been an Arrow and Flash one where Tuesday night you watch the Arrow episode and it leads into the Wednesday – or the Flash episode and then it leads into the Wednesday night Arrow episode. 
Uh, last year it set up – it kind of worked as a um, like a prequel to the Legends of Tomorrow series that started up this spring. This year it's going to be a four-night event with um, Supergirl on Monday, Flash on Tuesday, Arrow on Wednesday, and Legends of Tomorrow on Thursday. Jeez. I'm guessing that it will it will all come together then, whatever they're going to do to bring Supergirl in. So we'll, I guess we'll see. Okay. The, the second part of Dave's excellent question was, do you think we will see other A-list DC stars on the small screen? Now, here's what's interesting about this question, because technically we already have Batman, although not really. We have young Bruce Wayne. And we will have Superman on Supergirl this year, at least in a recurring, you know, uh, at right. least in a recurring sense, correct? Yes. So... I mean, I guess we, I mean, what other A-list DC stars are there besides Wonder, Wonder Woman? Woman? That's I, about it. I mean, I don't. Green Lantern. I, I don't think we're going to be getting, I don't think they're going to do Wonder Woman just because that movie's so close and they're not going to want to take any of the wind out of those sails. Uh, I guess you could ask the question, are we ever going to see a more traditional Batman uh, on on TV or perhaps Superman in a more regular role rather than just popping up on Supergirl here and then? Dan, what do you think the odds are? Uh, it just depends on the character. Since Fox has Gotham, they own the rights to pretty much all Batman characters, so you're, you're not going to see Batman pop up on the CW shows. Okay. It's just not going to happen. Um, you've got Superman in there. Uh, spoilers to anyone who hasn't watched the first season of Supergirl yet, but you've got Martian Manhunter running around as a regular. And I guess I guess we'd count Martian Manhunter as A-list, I guess. He's yeah. on the Justice League. The main Justice League, not like, you know... You know the the B team or whatever. I'll be you could they could maybe get away with Green Lantern since there have been multiple versions of that character and they could just do a different one from whatever right one just, or just, ones that the films choose. Just pick one of the characters the films aren't using. Right, Kyle Rayner um, or you know all their name you know there's a bunch of them. I could very much see like Guy Gardner showing up in like a Legends of, a future Legends of Tomorrow. That that wouldn't surprise me. I don't think you'll ever see Hal Jordan. No. Uh, you know, maybe a John John Stewart or Guy Gardner would probably be the the two that they would go for. Okay, so we're saying to answer the question, Green Lantern, we could see it probably. Uh, Batman, no, because of business dealings. Wonder Woman, probably not. Su Superman in a bigger role, maybe. It just depends on what they're doing with him this year. Well, I, I think they'll be I trashing him on movie screens as usual. So <laughs> if, I, if they get him right on Supergirl, uh, you know, we, they might as well. Get that would be hilarious. I think it's less likely that uh, that we see Superman, uh, at least in his own show, because I think in a way that would be kind of this tacit admission that uh, that they just can't get a Superman movie right uh, these days. And I don't, I don't know that that DCWB is is willing to to do that with you know with with him popping up in Supergirl. It's oh no, he's just he's playing. You know, it's a cameo thing. You know, it's it, it's a fun thing. You know, but you know, we have, we have more important things to do with him. You know, but that's just kind of my gut feeling. Okay. I think you're right, and I don't think we'll see Aquaman either. Um, we said A list. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aquaman is more A-list than Martian Manhunter. No, he is not. Yes, he is. I stand by this. Dan, Dan, who's more A-list? I would say Aquaman is. Yeah, you but would. I, I count them both. Um, both of you are horrible. Stu, I like having you... a, I like having a third guy on the show just so we can like when we're deadlocked, <laughs> we go to the we go to the judge and jury and it's like make a decision and of course Stu's wrong. Doesn't matter. I'm still right. Mm -hmm. You may have your little tiebreaker, but it, doesn't, it literally doesn't matter. And I've said this elsewhere, but I think if Greg Berlanti had waited one year longer to ask for the use of the Flash, they wouldn't he wouldn't have gotten him. Yeah, you're probably right about that. And what's funny is it's – of course, that show is so popular now that it I think creatively it's caused an uphill battle for the film, which I think is pretty funny. Well, look, here's where I'm at. I passed that question on to you guys because I do not watch the CWDC shows, and – Part of this, 
and I've said this before, I, I grew, I'm just a bigger Marvel guy. Not because I'm a show for the MCU or got hooked. It's, it dates way back. As a kid reading comics, I, I grew up a Marvel guy. I was just always more of a Marvel guy. I know more about the Marvel comic book universe, way more, than I do, do the DC universe. I, I mean, I know enough to know Aquaman's more A-list than Martian Manhunter. But I'm just more of a Marvel guy. So when these things came... And that, on top of the fact that I do feel like superheroes are better suited for movies than they are TV... And I had seen a healthy chunk of Smallville because I used to work a closed captioning job where I had to closed caption it and I did not like Smallville. And maybe it's unfair to compare these shows to a, a you know a show that's a decade old now or whatever, but it did air on the same network and kind of had the same target audience. I just was never that interested in the CW shows and never – I mean I've caught a little bit in passing, have not watched them regularly. I know people that really like them. Considering how disenfranchised I've become by the big screen DC Extended Universe, I know lots of people who think the CW and the TV side of it is handling things better. I have no doubt that's probably true. But now I just feel like with four shows airing, I mean, they're pretty much, you know, the CW Berlanti versus every day all week. Now I just feel like I'm too far behind to catch up. It's too many hours. And I do want to watch The Americans and Game of Thrones and Better Call Saul. There's not enough hours in the day, guys for me to start catching up on Arrow and stuff. And no one makes it seem like, you know, here's the thing. I mean, has there has there ever really been a great TV comic book show that you could put, you know, up with the best shows of any genre that TV has to offer? Has that ever existed? I would say no. I certainly don't think any of these CW shows probably come close, right? Just depends on what you're comparing it to. Um, I would say of the CW ones, Flash comes closest easily. But I mean, it's, but it's, would you it's really only... put Flash as must see TV up with you know Game of Thrones and you know what you know the big shows everybody's watching? Are we really going to put the Flash on that level if we're going to compare it to other things across the TV landscape? Are you are, are you telling me it's that good, Dan? Not yet. I mean, it could be, um, but it's it's just it's kind of its own different thing, really. I don't know. I just find it hard to compare it, at least to the cable shows, anyway. Um, of network TV, it's probably one of the better shows on right now. Oh, yeah, network TV sucks. I almost <laughs> feel like it's kind of unfair to really compare the the TV shows to the movies and say, oh, well, you know, Daredevil isn't as good as, you know, Winter Soldier or, you know, what have you, because in part because it's like, you know, these TV shows are still kind of in their infancy. Like, we're we're still in the in the first Brian Singer X-Men uh, stage of these TV shows, okay. you know, like writers are really finding, you know, they're, they're finding their feet. They're discovering what works, you know, and how to handle these characters in this longer, uh, TV format like that. You know, so I, I say, give it a few more years, assuming that, uh, the trend and the fad, if you will, uh, last that long, uh, you know, and then we'll kind of, then I think it'll be a little bit more fair, uh, to, um, to make that comparison. So, Stu, your belief is is that superhero shows on television could take the next step up, getting them closer to what we see in yeah. some of the better movies and closer to what we sort of call, you know, great TV. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's just, you just, you have to find the right, you know, I mean, like, arguably comic book movies didn't truly become great uh, until Sam Raimi got his second crack at Spider-Man. You know, and that that took sure, sure. You know, so that took some special talent in Sam Raimi. You know, you're gonna need you're gonna need someone you're gonna need a Vince Gilligan, uh, someone that's that talented uh, to really come in and work uh, work a superhero. You know, which isn't you know which isn't to disparage the work of Greg Berlanti. And you know, I think Berlanti's doing a doing a really solid job with what he's got. You know, I mean, it's it's just I, I say yeah, definitely just give it some time. Uh, let's compare the pros and cons of how Warner Brothers handles this stuff and how Disney handles this stuff. Because on the Marvel side, we do the shared universe where the TV shows and the movies don't repeat each other and they all take place in the same universe. On the DC side, it's separate. We have the TV universe, the Berlantiverse, and then we have the movies. We have different Flashes, different Supermen, you know, uh, two different versions of those characters. Dan, which method do you think is better? And do you see pros and cons with each? I do. With the Marvel, when it's worst with 
Marvel when we get around to something like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because they try to interact that series way too much with the films at hand. So especially in the first two seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, it kind of stopped its narrative dead in its tracks to cover what was going on with whatever the big May movie was. Right, it's very ham-handed. It's very ham-handed and kind of shoehorned in. And but the net, I feel like the Netflix shows have done a better job of handling that. Mostly, it's just side references. Luke Cage probably has the most amount of references, but again, they're they most of them feel organic and nothing hinges on what's going on in a movie at any given point. As far as the DC ones go, just looking at – since all the other ones aren't connected other than the, the Berlanti-produced shows, um, at this point, um, with Arrow being in its fifth season, Flash in its third, and the rest of them going into their second, I kind of like the fact that they're separate from the films, partially because the films are a bit of a train wreck. A bit. And <laughs> Okay, very much a train wreck. And the other thing is, unlike you, I grew up – sticking mostly with Marvel characters. Um, when I was little, my knowledge of Batman and Superman mainly came from the films that were already around, plus the animated shows that Super were on Friends. in the 90s. Super Friends. Well, you're a little younger <laughs> than me. For me, it was Super Friends. Cause I'm well, I watched reruns of Super Friends well, on go. Cartoon Network. Super so. Friends had the Adam West Batman show. Right. And, and that, ba- that's Batman, a- Batman the Animated Series. Right, and, and the Superman one and then the Justice yeah. League one right, that right. followed both of them. But that that's where most of my knowledge came from. And as a result, you know, we've all three of us, I'm sure, have had our fill of Superman and especially Batman since we were little. Not that there's not room for more different interpretations that are good, but we don't necessarily need loads upon loads of more Batman and Superman movies and shows. Right. Right. So then (laughs) so then how does being that you weren't a DC person, how does that how does that tie into you liking the DC TV universe more? How does that benefit your enjoyment of that? Well, the way it the way it ties in is that I'm not as familiar with these characters, and the fact that, at least until now, they haven't been able to use most of the A-list characters is a bit of a plus for me, because I get to see all these other characters that they're stuck using, or that you know they've got to work around and find different uses for. And you like that, that considering that, that you I haven't seen before. It's, yeah, you've never, you don't right. know their stories or don't know the complexities of the stories. Or okay, yeah, they're they're all either completely new or they're at least not as familiar to me. So I think it's mostly a benefit that you know that they can't use Batman, that up until now they couldn't use Superman, that they're not going to be able to use Wonder Woman or Aquaman or any of the others just to fall back on. So and, instead. Instead, we're getting all of these B-list, C-list, and even D-list heroes and villains, and it's it's just far more interesting to me at, at this stage. And are you guys annoyed at all that, I mean, we're going to have a flash on the small screen and a flash on the big screen, and it's two completely different dudes? No. No. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, yeah, I'm, I, sometimes it, feel like, it feels like I'm one of the only people that just doesn't care. Uh, See, I think, I think it part... bothers me, because how many flashes do I need in my life? How many do I well, need? Well, I mean, come on. It's like you there have it's always been that way. You've always had different people playing these characters, especially like, you know, it's like Not I at grew up at the same with, time. Who cares? You're an adult, Bob. I am? It, oh yeah, I am. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. It's not, it's not like you're a kid with no no sense right. of, you know, object permanence or whatever. As far as you know. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, it's like I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm just I'm asking kinda, the question, dude. I'm just asking I'm the question. Kinda, uh, I'm on. almost kind of glad that they're doing two different actors because it would be weird seeing Grant Gustin try to be a Flash in a Zack Snyder movie. Or no, actually, <laughs> you know, or or even I mean, I forget the guy who's the who's the guy directing the Flash movie now. The guy who did Dope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just I don't know that he would uh, that he would fit well. I mean, like I think Grant Gustin, his personality, uh, his presence is well suited to TV. I don't know that he would do well on the big screen, you know? So I, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I, you know, yeah, to me, it's almost, it's like, it's like having different, uh, it's like having different artists draw the same character in multiple different books. It's just, it's, you're going to get a different take when there's, you know, when you've got different directors, when you've got different writers and that's fine. Not everything has to be this cohesive thing. 
You know, I think that's kind of one of the problems with this whole shared universe thing. It's like, oh, everything has to be the same. It's like, no, it doesn't. Let let just, you know, let people do it however they want. I agree. Here's my big worry about the Flash movie. Just based on what we've what we've seen, what they've told us that they're doing with it, or the rumors that have come out, it sounds like the main villain's going to be Reverse Flash. He's going to have some of the rogues like Captain Cold working for him. And Barry's going to have... A, uh, a black Iris West as his love interest, which is the entire first season of The Flash that I just watched about two and a half years ago. Yeah, that sounds so, like a problem so, to me. So I'm not worried about the actors um, or how it's all going to look. I'm worried about the writing. I'm worried I'm going to be sitting in the theater watching a big budget version, condensed version of the first season of The Flash and feel like I'm bored. And after seeing Batman versus Superman twice, and seeing Suicide Squad once, uh, it's, it's definitely a worry for me at this stage. All right, we're, before we move on to The Walking Dead, I want to spend a little bit of time on the non-superhero comic book shows on TV. But before we leave superheroes behind, I, I feel obligated to point out that there actually is a great, great superhero show currently on TV. That show is a kid's show on the Cartoon Network, and it is called Teen Titans Go! Dan, you have kids. Do they watch Teen Titans Go? Do you watch Teen Titans Go? They've seen it a little bit, and I've seen it a little bit, and I thought it's a, I thought it's a lot of fun. And what I've seen, it's been a lot of fun. It is. My kids are obsessed with it. I have two daughters. Uh, my oldest one's uh, 10. She's getting into tween territory. My youngest one's 7. And they have become obsessed with Teen Titans Go. And, I, and they're not even into superheroes. They could care less about Marvel movies or anything. They started watching Teen Titans Go religiously. So I started watching it. And it is fantastic. Now, Stu, you will you, you you Stu, you are with child. You will be you will have child <laughs> soon, but not yet. So I'm taking it you haven't watched any Teen Titans Go because unless you have uh, kids, you probably wouldn't. I would, you know, I've you know I've actually seen a couple episodes of it uh, just from when I uh, the few times that I've stayed in a hotel and it's like Saturday morning and there's nothing to do, uh, you know, so I'll flip on the TV and uh, you know, yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, watch, I more. I, watch more. Watch more. I think of the more recent uh, superhero cartoons. Uh, I think Batman: Brave and the Bold is probably the best of them. Yeah, but those are more. That's a more serious take. That's a more traditional. Batman: Brave and the Bold. Well, okay, I didn't certainly have more than I, I have. Okay, not not compared to Batman the Animated Series, but compared to Teen Titans Go, which is silly and ludicrous and really for eleven year olds. Yes. Brave and the Bold is pretty silly. All right. I mean, just their Aquaman depiction alone, you know, is this alpha male jock type character. Well. uh, Is kind of amazing and very comical. All right. Well, maybe it does have something in common with Teen Titans Go. Because for anyone listening who hasn't watched, Teen Titans Go is this kid's show on the Cartoon Network. And it's, it's geared primarily toward kids. I mean, my kids jump straight from, you know, My Little Pony and... Disney cartoon shows like Phineas and Ferb to this. I mean, that's sort of the neighborhood it lives in. But it's totally genius. I mean, Robin is like an anxiety-ridden head case. Raven is an antisocial misanthrope. Starfire is like this outsider from another planet desperately struggling to understand our culture. But everything is just amped to 11 and geared toward an 8-year-old's mindset. But it's done so with such intelligence and smarts and gusto that I have an absolute ball watching it. Absolute ball. It's hysterical. I laugh as much as my kids do. Here's the true test. Would you watch a new episode if your kids were out of town? Yes, I would. Would you watch it by yourself? Yes. There you go. There are not too many of their shows I say that about. Phineas and Ferb, I, when it was on, I would, and and now Teen Titans Go. Teen I have one of those. Which is? The Ninja Turtles cartoon on Nickelodeon. There you it's go. It's been around for, it's. Well, I guess it'll go into its fifth season soon. Okay. And it's it's wonderful. Okay. But <laughs> it's yeah. energetic enough for the kids to, they absolutely love it, but it's smart enough that I can enjoy it. And it's loaded with crazy references. They did an episode that was a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. Nice. Just with a few names tweaked. And there also, was a go on. James James Hong voicing the evil uh, spirit of Ho Chan, imprisoned in the dagger that killed him. And then he comes out and makes three street thugs into his three storms. So <laughs> I'm too old to be a TMNT guy, but that sounds awesome. Robert England voiced an evil dream beaver. At one point, 
It sounds good. Is it Teen Titans Go good? I doubt it, but I'm, I'm sure. I, I think so. If you have, hey, if you have Hulu, all the seasons all right, so are on. These are our saying. recommendation. If you have kids, or even if you don't have kids and you like this stuff, check out the the what's the tight what's the title of it now, Dan? Is it just Teenage just, Ninja Turtles? Yep. All right, the current show and Teen Titans Go. Uh, let's get away from superheroes for a minute. Dan, I know you're a huge horror fan, and in fact, most of what you write for Cult Spark is horror related, as well as other websites. But I know that you've lapsed several times in The Walking Dead, and I'm not sure if you ever completed Preacher. If you did, it was late. So what what gives there? This stuff should be in your wheelhouse. Why aren't you all over it? Okay. Just off the top of my head, we've got The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. which is starting its seventh season. Yes. Right. Yep. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead just ended its second. Yep. And Preacher ended its first earlier this year, and so did Outcast. So okay. those are our four on the horror front. Okay. Well, I guess Winona Earp is a horror show, but I haven't watched that. Okay. Um, the Walking Dead, I lo- I well, I didn't love. I really liked the first two seasons of. Season three, it started to lose me, and then by the midpoint of season four, I completely tapped out. It just had spun its wheels way too much, way too often, and I walked away from it. Uh, my wife decided that she wanted to get, because she was watching it with me, she decided that she wanted to get back into watching it earlier this year. So we ended up marathoning uh, the second half of season four, all of season five, and then completely caught up with season six before the finale aired. Luckily, it actually got better. Um, I, season six was pretty rocky for me. But uh, the second half of four and all the five were great enough that you know I'm I'm happy to watch the new season as soon as it starts. She likes Fear the Walking Dead. I thought the first season was absolutely fucking awful. It is. It's terrible. And I watched all of the first season and not a second passed. I was like, okay, I gave the show a shot. I'm done. We watched the first half of season two, which I thought was better, but still not particularly good. The second half is sitting on the DVR. We just haven't caught up with it yet, so just I can't delete it. Delete it. <laughs> Just delete well, it. She'll get, I'll get in trouble. Right, okay, I don't <laughs> want you to get in trouble. Um, Preacher? Uh, did you finish I, it? I did. Okay. I did. Did you? Yes. I didn't like it. Um, I thought the second half was a lot more entertaining. Um, I wouldn't call it good. I wouldn't either. And I was actually surprised that it got a second season. But I'll probably give it a shot when it starts up again. I was but, uh, really disappointed. Pre- Preacher was my favorite comic book running while it was being published. And I don't mind so much that the TV show wasn't a direct adaptation. You don't have to do that. There are certainly ways to interpret things for different media. But I just thought as a TV series, it was almost nonsensical. I mean, <laughs> storylines didn't make a lot of cognitive sense from one episode to the next. The acting was kind of all over the place. The focus was kind of all over the place. And uh, I didn't recognize much of the comic book version of Jesse Custer and the TV version. I mean, he at least got the characters right. And I thought it was mostly a failure. Right now, I'm undecided on season two, but I'm leaning toward not watching. It it played like a really weird prequel to what the comic was. Right. And in that sense, it almost felt like someone adapted some weird throwaway like comic book tie-in to a big movie. And turned it into a TV show. Right. And it's just, like, I spent so much time, just as one example, this is a minor example, but it's a good example of the kind of things that bugged me about that show. I mean, that we would go episodes at a time where I wasn't sure if Jesse knew that Cassidy was a vampire, suspected that Cassidy was a vampire, didn't care, didn't know at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just right. the... The narrative was just so vague so often, and it just seemed to be all about the violence and the style and the action scenes without really making sure that, like, basic information and character motivations tracked from one episode to the next. I mean, it bugged the shit out of me. Uh, I'm right there with you. Um, Outcast. (laughs) Now, Outcast, that's the other Kirkman show, correct? Yeah, it's on Cinemax. How's that? That's a plus right there. It's really good. Do you prefer it to The Walking Dead? So I haven't finished it yet. It's okay. another one I'm watching with my wife, so I have to wait till she's ready to, to finish it. We've got three episodes left. But right now I'd say, yeah, I prefer it to The Walking Dead. My experience with The Walking Dead is it it tracks partially with your experience. I uh, 
I didn't love the first season. I thought it showed promise, but was wildly inconsistent. Those first, what was it, six episodes, I think. The second season I hated, Herschel's Farm. That the wheel spinning, for me, was there. There was definitely a lot in uh, there. Probably would have quit early on in season three, except I was writing about it for Chud.com week to week. So, uh, you know, I, I had to review it, so I was watching it. And I, I thought it picked up a lot toward the end of season three. I thought it got better. And then season four, I I don't know if I want to use the word loved, but I liked a lot. And I thought season four is when the show finally started to like, okay, this show deserves the number of people that are watching it. It deserves the tag of the best horror show on television because season four, five, I thought it was really good TV, really good horror TV. And then last year, I think the wheels kind of fell off. I did. I thought there was a lot of wheel spinning again. I did not like the second half. I hated the cliffhanger season finale. Uh, I do not write about the show week to week anymore, and I think it's probably 50-50 whether I make it to the end of the current season. Stu, you've never watched The Walking Dead, right? I watched the pilot, and I thought the pilot was well made, but I was just at zombie oversaturation. Zombie fatigue. Yeah, and I was just like, I don't care. I, I just, I don't care at all. Uh, plus I had, you know, I had read probably about four or so volumes of the graphic novel by that point. And I was just like, I know where this is going, or at least, you know, if it goes with, uh, where the comic goes, I'm, I'm just, I'm out. I don't, I don't need this. I didn't even have cable at the time. And well, so I like, I really, really had to <laughs> seek it out. Uh, and I just, I just didn't care enough to ever try and catch up. Well, with that's it. the other thing because it's so so far, I seem to, you know, I, you know, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. The here's the thing. Here's a, here's a secret. The comic's not that good. <laughs> I know it's the very, comic started really. I've strong. never read it. It's not good. It's it started really strong, but then it got terrible. It has the world building in the in the comic is strong, but the characterizations, the characters, and the dialogue is horrendous. It's horrendous. And sometimes those problems creep through on the TV show, and sometimes they don't. I guess maybe it could depend on how much Kirkman's involved from year to year, or maybe he's become a better writer since he's been working on the show, or maybe it depends on how firm of a hand whatever the showrunner is going to be this year has over the storylines, because they've gone through, I think, three showrunners now. So sometimes those problems get... uh, improved upon on the show and sometimes they don't but i only made it to the comic i made it through four or five trades and i just stopped i felt yeah, it just, I, I never made it to negan in the comic at all i never got there i got uh, through. this was like this was like 10 oh god it was 10 years ago good lord uh <laughs> about 10 years ago uh that i read all this so i i mean i don't even remember most of what i read at this point so yeah so walking dead i've had zero uh, compulsion to uh, or compunction to catch up with that preacher I think has aged terribly as a comic you know I remember loving it when I first read it thought it was brilliant went back to read it again uh, a good good ways after that and thought it was just one of the most juvenile things I had ever read I mean just completely turned flipped on it uh, and so again having cut the cable cut the cord, uh, you know, just no, I, I just, I feel no need to, to catch up on it at all. So you, you, you haven't, know, don't feel like I'm missing out. You haven't missed much with Preacher. I'm with Dan. I'm actually surprised it got renewed too. I, I guess just AMC likes being in the Seth Rogen business and probably and, and needs other identifiable shows besides The Walking Dead. Uh, that's about all I got. Is there anything either of you gentlemen wanted to add about the current state of comic book TV? I just want you to admit that you kept it up with Walking Dead Season 3 because you just love that Liam Neeson impersonation going on with the governor. <laughs> that's that's not why, Dan. Not why. Uh, the governor did get better. He was terrible in the early goings. And when they brought him back, when they brought the governor back for like in Season 4, he had his little standalone story and stuff. Didn't you think the character was that much – was a lot better then? I did, but my, my problem with the end of – the mid-season finale of season four is I felt like it should have been the finale of season three. 
Yeah. Like that was a season and a half of TV that felt like it should well, have been one again, season. You know what? Again, we get into and we'll end on yep. this. We we get in the shows being stretched out too much. I mean, The Walking Dead, how many episodes do they do a year when you count both halves? 18? 16? 15, 16, yeah. It's just too many. I mean, for as slow as that show sometimes goes, and it's not always that slow. Sometimes they keep the pace up, but I mean, how much better would The Walking Dead work with 12 episode seasons? Probably a lot Probably better. Probably a lot better. Right? Yep. All right. We're going to call that an episode. Thank you both for being on tonight. You can find me at Robert B. Taylor on Twitter. You can find Stu at Stuby Doo. Uh, Dan, give the fine people listening your Twitter. It's just Daniel W. Baldwin. So if you'd like to continue this conversation, harass us for anything we've said, find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find our writing at cultspark.com. I have a Magnificent Seven review up. I think I'm going to be reviewing the new Jack Reacher movie next. I think it's next week. So we'll have some content up. And uh, you can find uh, this podcast on iTunes. Please give us a lovely review if you have a moment. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you all next time. Take care.